0: All right, welcome everybody to episode two of the Near Mint Hockey Card Podcast.
1: I'm Elon Dubrovsky, joined just like last week by Ryan Krieg. Hey, Ryan. Hey, every week. Uh, so happy to get back into this. I've been thinking about it since last episode and uh, got a really interesting episode today. We're going to get into some playoff news, um, just like everything that's going on in the NHL. And then we're going to talk about some uh, rookie mistakes for hockey card investing.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Like, we made a big cello board of all the different topics we want to cover, and that's the one we decided on today. Uh, Yeah, mistakes that people generally make when they're collecting hockey cards, and I'll be very interested to hear what you have to say, Ryan, because I'm still pretty new. I started a spreadsheet of all of the cards I've bought since I started collecting, and I have one column that's like the month because i didn't want to keep track of like the specific day and every single one is still september 2020 so i'm excited to start buying my first october 2020 cards but i also uh, by the way had my first sale my first sale of a new card that i bought so I, last week i talked about the gretzky card which did end up selling uh gretzky rookie i don't own it anymore it's, it's out of my hands so we'll see if that was a mistake it was a ksa rated four and i sold for 1200 to help fund this new set of buying and then just recently, oh yeah, so let 's get into the podcast. so the plan for the podcast is, and I think every week we're going to sort of talk about random stuff, shoot the shit a little bit, and then get into our main topic, which again, this week is going to be mistakes that people make. but uh, yeah, the Stanley Cup finals are over. I decided to unload my Jamie Ben young guns that I had bought just a couple weeks earlier. Uh, I got it for around 16, four. I bought it in a batch. So I sort of like averaged it all out. And I I, I think I, I'll, I'm going to say I spent around 16, 17, sold it for 27 on eBay. So I'm happy hey. with that profit.
1: <laughs> yeah. And eBay has a cool deal on right now where they're not taking a cut of our profits. So go September. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of a nice tip. You have until the end of September to list up to 200 things without eBay taking a slice. I didn't realize, because I did get a slice taken. I guess that was the PayPal that
0: I got yeah, sent. Yeah, So normally, when I sell something on eBay, I'm going
1: to both get charged by eBay and by PayPal, even though they're owned by the same company? We're going to have to figure that one out. Because I, like, I haven't gotten my payments because they're holding them because I'm a new seller. Uh-huh. Uh, so I haven't like been able to see the whole math yet.
0: Um that'll be in the list of mistakes, right? Make sure you have an understanding of how much of the uh, selling price you're actually going to get before deciding if it's worth it to sell for a certain
1: amount. Yeah, so I think it's about 90%. So you have to kind of think about, you know, if you buy a card for 10 bucks, it has to go up like enough that when you sell it again, you're not losing money based on that 90% that you actually get.
0: Right, yeah. The Jamie Ben was more just... I bought it kind of thinking, basically, this was, like, the middle case, right? I was thinking, like, best case is he continues the run he was on before the finals, where he was, like, leading the stars and scoring, and what if he, like, kept it up and ended up winning the con Smythe, you know? then all of a sudden, I was going to maybe sell it for, like, 50, who knows what it could have been worth. And, you know, he ended up sort of flaming out in the finals a little bit, kind of disappeared, but I'm happy that, you know, the... Rays from the playoffs still made up for it and i was happy to unload it because i think ben his value now is probably the highest it'll ever be i think i know we talked last week about maybe he gets into the hall of fame one day like maybe but i think more yeah. likely he's just going to end up disappointing poolies next year and people will just dislike him more and more and that you know the stars probably won't match the <laughs> run that they went on this year so then he'll just yeah. disappoint stars fans and uh, that'll be the end of jamie ben being an exciting hockey card to own
1: yeah, it's it's really interesting though. Like I I also went out and got a Ben and I got a Headman, and uh, I didn't sell either of them. But I was watching their values go up, and I think you could still profit off the Ben. But the Headman went up pretty good. Like. I, I even got it, I think, as you were saying, at the beginning of September for about 30 bucks. And now, oh, nice. you said yesterday one sold for, what, 55
0: Yeah, I was tracking it. It was really fun, actually. As soon as the finals ended, I went on eBay and just started watching a bunch of Young Guns auctions for mm-hmm. the players that were involved in that final game. And yeah, Hedman definitely is selling for a lot. Uh, Hedman's the kind of guy, though, that... Like, he might still go up in value, right? He could theoretically win the Conn Smythe again next year or win the Norris. Like, he's one of the best defensemen in the league right now. And he's almost... I wouldn't say for sure, but I feel like he's on track to be a Hall of Famer also. And obviously winning this Conn Smythe has helped. So, yeah, I'm not as worried about holding on to Hedman for the long, long term. Like, he's a a real star defenseman in the league and Ben like was a star, but he's sort of fading away. Like not so gracefully, I guess.
1: Yeah. And same is true with Braden point who we talked about last podcast, who I also had a card up that I kind of, I kind of overvalued the cards hoping that, you know, if these guys won the con Smythe, maybe they would go crazy. Um, but I have no problem holding on to a headman or a point or if you had a Kucherov because those guys are on the best team in hockey. And I don't see that changing in the next few years. Uh, not worried about holding on to those cards at all.
0: Yeah, for sure. In fact, it's actually interesting uh, just for general hockey talk. Uh, I was, We were talking on the uh, Keeping Carlson Discord, which is this other podcast that I do about fantasy hockey, about how apparently Joe Pavelski was supposed to like he had the choice between going to Tampa (laughs) or going to Dallas and I feel like Tampa really lucked out because like Pavelski had a great playoffs for sure, but like you know, he signed a long term contract. And what you're saying about Tampa being able to potentially be a contender for still like a few years to come, I think a big part of that is not being locked into big contracts of players who are like 34 plus. So like clearly they didn't need Pavelski this year because they won the cup without him, and now they have all this cap space to potentially go after someone next year.
1: And they won it without Stamkos also, which was like sure he played a shift and played got a great goal, but. Like without him, I actually meant to look into the Stamkos cards because the guy lifted the cup first. He won the cup. Uh, you know, everyone loves Stamkos. Name value is huge. So I wonder what happened there. Like, does his card go up because he won a Stanley Cup, regardless of like him barely doing anything? <laughs> All right, I'm taking
0: a look right now. So I'm seeing a Young Guns of Stamkos just sold. What's today? The 30th so on the... Oh, no, 29th. Yeah, today. So there's 86 for a raw one. I'm seeing a 325 for a PSA 10 uh, Canadian, by the way, for the American listeners. So this is like pennies, actually, if you're in if you're in the States right now. Uh, then I guess like you have to kind of scroll for a while. So let me just kind of scroll down to, I don't know, like, let's say go to June or beginning of July. Here, I've got a July... Second, his Young Guns went for 75 raw. And what did I say that the uh, raw one just went for? 86. So, I don't know. I mean, those are just two, like, that's a small sample size. Maybe not a huge increase, but it is interesting that it is even going for a little more just yeah. because he held the cup, even though he wasn't involved too much.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's super interesting, the impact that winning a Stanley Cup has and kind of all these things. I think the next episode we're thinking about doing is kind of how card values are impacted by things like winning the Stanley cup or free agency, but just to quickly touch on it. um, Like how does the value of a card change if someone wins the cup? And also I think super interesting is like, you know, 20, however many won the cup this year, call it 30 guys maybe. Um, But some of their values don't go up and some do. Right. Uh, If you're looking at a guy like Sorelli, for example, like, I bet his card kind of didn't do much. Um, Or, you know, Schernack on defense. Does does his value go up? Like, he did win a cup, but he's... Hockey cards are so much about the the face value, the name value, like the superstars of the league, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, Sorelli was a solid, like, two-way player on Tampa, but his face wasn't on the highlight reels all throughout the playoffs. And I'm seeing that his young guns just sold today for $2.54 on eBay with with $4 shipping. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's too hard to get your hands on one of those. Uh, You know what would
1: be (laughs) another interesting one is Pat Maroon. Because, yeah. you know, like his company. impact was probably behind the scenes more so than on the ice. But uh, how does that translate to the hockey card world?
0: Uh, not much. It's not looking like... Actually, I'm not even seeing many maroon cards sold. I guess it's an older card at, at this point. 2011, 2012 is his young gun year. I see there was a one for $6. That, that was September 20th. And nothing else is mm-hmm. coming up right now for oh, really? uh, sold auctions huh. in the... Uh, at least on ebay maybe i'll go to all listings yeah i don't know maybe
1: it's a uh, maybe it's a rare card in a way <laughs>
0: <laughs> i guess so so yeah maybe well i guess i could not look at sold and just see like currently what's being listed i don't know if this is like interesting podcasting this is what we're going to learn as we go through this is still only episode two so that we're going to really want the feedback from the listeners to know like what works and what doesn't and we'll like hone in on what's an entertaining podcast but there's right now one that's uh I don't know, like 99 cents. I'm seeing it listed like like 99 cents with like one bid or zero bid. So it doesn't seem like it's going to be a hard thing to get. Some, of course, people are pulling Orion and trying to just like capitalize and find one, I guess, sucker to uh, pay a little extra. I see it like listed on a buy it now for like $26, but I don't know if anyone's gonna, going to uh, to bite on that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like maybe this leads into our topic we're going to talk about, but I see a lot of listings where the seller will just put it up there at a buy now price and leave it there and hope that one day someone comes along that just wants that card. Mm-hmm. And if you're not kind of paying attention to the value or the prices it's sold for in the past, you might go online and see Patrick Maroon two-time cup winner in the last 2 years 5 bucks and think, "Oh, that's a steal."
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I guess that I said that it happened to me a little bit last week. I jumped in and bought a Jack Campbell card for only five dollars, but probably I could have gotten it for less if I was more careful, but I was just you know start trying to rack my brain for whose whose value might go up and uh you know I'm not having huge regrets there, but but you're right, that was a bite now that I'm sure the person was surprised that I you know bid on that, especially because I also had to pay the shipping uh yeah, so I guess any other general news, I guess I did want to tell you a bit about some other cards that like i've been buying and selling it uh, you know just interested to get your takes a little bit i recently bought i thought it was a good deal maybe this could be like a segment every week just sort of like was this a good deal or not and then and then ryan you'll tell me i got uh dougie hamilton young guns for like it was super ch- okay i should have this ready up oh yeah four dollars and five cents plus four dollars shipping so i spent eight dollars total to get what looks to me it's a raw but it looks like it's in perfect condition Dougie Hamilton, he, he was leading defenseman in points before he got injured. He was right up there with Carlson and, and Yossi. Maybe next year, imagine if he plays the full season, doesn't get injured, uh, you know, with Sveshnikov and Aho and all those guys on Carolina. I feel like that's a, it's a sure thing, right?
1: Yeah, so my answer would be to go look up Roman Yosi, go look up Eric Carlson. Like, look up these guys that you're comparing him to, and then also you have to think, like, what's the fame of these guys, right? Like, Dougie Hamilton plays in Carolina. Um, No one really talks about him. Like I know we do like the super fans talk about Dougie Hamilton a little more because he maybe helps us in fantasy or, you know, we hope that he's on our, our our favorite team, but you know, he's arguably better than Eric Carlson. Sorry. (laughs) Lately. Uh, But his value is probably still less in the hockey card world. Right. Oh yeah. But that's because Eric Carlson has like a crazy personality.
0: Well, and he has also had a storied career. Like, let's not... Sure. Like, yeah. I mean, like, Dougie Hamilton. The thing with Hamilton, I guess, is to me, he seems like maybe a guy that isn't there yet, but I think he was on his way before he got injured this year. And so I'm hoping yeah. just next year he can continue what he was doing. I'm seeing, like, Roman Yosi young guns are selling for, like, around 21, 22, like, raw. So, by the way, when we say raw, we mean ungraded. We're going to do an episode about grading at some point. We should probably also mention the name of our podcast is the Near Mint (laughs) Hockey Card Podcast, which is a reference to grading. Uh, Near Mint is what? Like, what what score is that?
1: Yeah, so Near Mint, it depends what grading company you're going with. So there's PSA and Beckett or BGS are the two main ones. Um, But if you're talking Beckett, and we will because that's kind of the design I've used for the podcast overlay here, uh, a Near Mint card is 7.5 out of 10. And in Beckett, You're talking 9.5 is pretty much like the best condition. There is a 10, but it's crazy. It's almost impossible to get. It's called pristine. Uh, Mm -hmm. But when you're thinking about a PSA 10, which is 10 out of 10 for PSA grading, that's equivalent to a BGS 9.5. And so 7.5 is near mint, a couple steps down from that.
0: Interesting. Okay, so we're, we're being a little self-effacing. We're still pretty good quality podcasts. Maybe one day we'll upgrade ourselves. Is there any sort of thing as a card restoration? Can I have a poor quality card and somehow pay someone to,
1: to bring up the value? No, no. So that would be considered um, illegal. Well, really? Maybe, maybe not illegal, uh, but illegal in the world of cards. So if you were to take a card and uh, there's one thing called trimming. So if you have a card that has like a little bit of a rough edge and you took like an exacto and you just kind of, uh, you fixed it up a little and you sent that into PSA or Beckett, if they notice, they're going to send it back as ungradable because it's altered.
0: Interesting. I guess that makes sense. So like, are they, they're probably taking out the measuring tape
1: and making sure the size of the card is the original size. Yeah, there was, a, I, I don't. I haven't read all the articles yet, but there was a big scandal about it because they were sending back graded cards and they've missed a lot of that, basically. Um, So I think they've got like an extra eagle eye on it right now, like double magnifying, like really, really getting in there.
0: It's funny, like, because this is all, like, made up, right? Like, we've just decided as a community that we want our cards to be, like, unchanged. But, like, in the art world, isn't that a thing? Like, they, they're always, like, restoring old paintings. And, like, because they want it to look perfect. But I guess in the card world, like, it's better for my Gretzky. That was a 4 out of 10. we I'd rather, like, people would rather that have a little bit frayed corners rather than sort of be cleaned up and look nice. But then we know it wasn't, like, originally how it came out of the pack way back when.
1: Right. I think there's kind of something authentic and, like, real about those Gretzkys that have, like, a little bit of dinged up corners. Um, Since we recorded last week, I've been talking to a couple people uh, a little older than myself that remember, like, throwing their cards against the wall. Oh, no. And, like, seriously, they'd have all their cards, and they'd have a game where they'd throw them against the wall. And whoever got their card closest to the wall got to pick up all the cards, and they were theirs now yeah, and so, like, no wonder the corners got dinged up. <laughs> I just feel like it's so funny because I'll bet you also if you go to these people now
0: and they're probably like old and I don't know, they probably like fought in a war or something and we'd be like, did you know that this card would be worth like $5,000 if you didn't throw it against the wall? They'd probably look at us like we're, we're kind of crazy, right? Like what, what are you young kids doing buying and selling ca- I don't know, maybe like, I'm sure like a lot of older people are buying cards too, but it's just kind of funny to think that someone as a kid thought that it was fine and then now they realize they've like just given away thousands of dollars just by, t- if they, they probably don't, didn't keep the card though to be fair so maybe it's not really an issue
1: yeah i mean i think there's something to be said for how much fun they had as a kid you can't really like trade that away (laughs) they Um,
0: could have put it in a hard case first and then thrown that against the wall to at least protect it a little bit come (laughs) on
1: i don't know if they had that back then and grading even is is like relatively new or they Um, you know what they could have had fun by
0: taking a piece of paper writing the name of the card on the paper and then ball that up and throw that leave the cards clean in a pile okay if i ever have kids ryan i'm gonna teach them to play in in a safe way with their cards
1: yeah card safety is important (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, uh, when I was growing up, I remember thinking my awesome card collection I talked about last week that most of it isn't even worth that much. All my 90s superstar rookies. I thought like the goal of this was to one day I'd have this like amazing inheritance for kids that I'll have one day and they'll just be like so excited when I give that. you know, it'll be like in Pulp Fiction when they open the briefcase and it's a like gold like shining on the face. And they'll just be like, whoa. But uh, uh, if, I, yeah. if that were to happen now, they'd be like, oh, I could sell, I could buy a 10, 10 Pavel Beret upper deck rookie <laughs> (laughs)
1: in a lot for like five dollars so i'm not so interested yeah i mean there was definitely a certain amount of marketing when we were growing up uh by companies like ty with the beanie babies and Mm. i'm sure that happened in the card industry too right where they're like hyping up the fact that maybe one day you'll get rich off of these if you just keep them um
0: yeah, so I guess everyone had that in mind, and that's why it's not so valuable. And now it's only us serious people buying these young guns, like the uh, Dougie Hamilton that I brought up here. I'll throw one more name at you. Yes. I don't know if this is much like me asking you if I got a good deal. It's also like me kind of sharing like what guys I think like would be a good time to buy. That's like, why I bought it. So maybe people are curious what I've been buying. And another name that jumps out to me that I was able to get for less than $5 also before shipping, Kevin Fiala. I got his Young Guns from 2015-16 for $4.75. It was part of like, it was one of these things where I'd already bought one card from the seller, and then I bought a yeah. bunch of others, so I was able to save a lot on shipping. I bought into like 12 cards from that <laughs> seller. But it was a pretty fun set of, of cards. Fiala, Josh Anderson, Shea Theodore. Uh, the next couple you'll scoff at me. Sanheim and Kunin. Kunin, I'm just, you know, because uh, maybe he could be the top line setter. Not, th- those were each 99 cents. Uh, D'Angelo, Adam Fox, Ehlers pulak and sam Steele. so you know not the craziest set but i spent i think 30 something on that whole lot and uh but i wanted to yeah i wanted to specifically ask about fiala just because i feel like he's also like hamilton he showed us a glimpse of a superstar last year for him it was at the end of the season instead of hamilton at the beginning of the season but if he could just continue what he was doing at the end of last year all through next year might not help that he's playing with luke Kunin to do this but if you know maybe Nashville gets another, or sorry, Minnesota gets another center. I'm thinking Nashville, because that's the, what he looks like on the card. But yeah, right. Nashville. if Minnesota gets a center for Fiala to play with, who knows? Like, I just feel like that's another guy that could go up a lot, potentially, if he has a big season.
1: Yeah, I think Fiala, again, is like, is he going to become, like, star power? Like, are, gonna, are people going to recognize his face? Uh, and I, you could sort of see the beginning of that last year, where, like, people were like, who is this guy? Um, but actually, something that you reminded me of there that I think does have some value with cards is the jersey they're wearing in their rookie picture like on their young guns card Mm -hmm. is not irrelevant so or at least that's what i've kind of noticed i need to kind of dig further on this but i think that players that have like stuck with their team since they were a rookie have more value because they're kind of like still on that team And I I also wonder if, like, you were an Oiler when you were a rookie, for example, like Taylor Hall, if that kind of boosts your value because you've got that Oilers jersey on.
0: Interesting. So what would you say, what are the places? Is it just all the Canadian teams? Like, which jerseys are the, like, big market jerseys that their hockey cards are worth more?
1: Um, I think Original Six is, like, an easy answer. Mm -hmm. Canada definitely has a boost. Um, And then there's probably a couple interesting markets but yeah it's it's mostly it's based on fan base mostly right so if you look at like dollars spent on jerseys or in arenas you know new york rangers toronto maple leafs toronto maple leafs players have an insane markup it's it's not even fair um know yeah, they noticed. also have some high-end guys but
0: well yeah i've noticed i've been looking i had mentioned this last week i'm looking into buying some pettersons i feel like he's mm-hmm. even at his value now I still think that his cards are a good deal, and like he's uh, being sold for like three. Well, his cards. I mean, obviously, uh, like three hundred dollars less than like an Austin Matthews, and I feel like they're probably I don't know. Like Matthews is maybe better in fantasy because he takes more shots. Like that's what the first thing that comes to mind. But like in terms of like superstar in the league, like Pedersen's the one who led his team farther in the playoffs this year.
1: Uh, So yeah, Pedersen's got the hype right now, but he's still never gonna surpass Matthews unless like something crazy happens to Matthews um
0: or maybe if like Pedersen wins the cup next year carries his team all the way maybe that'll do something that's what I'm hoping for I'm I'm sure
1: that could I'm sure that could change things a little
0: bit um Though of course, if imagine if a Leafs player, imagine if the just imagining the Leafs winning the cup is like so hard to imagine, (laughs) but like you could just imagine people will lose their minds for whoever are the star players on the team, like the points and Kucherovs of the Leafs when they make it to the finals. Like Matthews and Marner are just gonna sell for. It'll be like. Unpriced, they'll just go right into a museum, every single rookie card.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the same is true for McDavid, even though his price is pretty high right now. If that guy goes on and wins two cups, I can't even imagine what will happen. Can
0: I ask you, uh, speaking of McDavid, I've been seeing... I know we're going to do a whole episode about grading, but just like sprinkle some things in here. There's a huge difference, right, between like a 9 out of 10 and a 10 out of 10. Like Massive. a PSA 9 McDavid I've been seeing for like, you know, less than 1500 and then a PSA 10 we're talking like 3 4 grand potentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so PSA definitely is a huge difference between 9 and 10. What's I think more interesting to me is a BGS 9.5 and a PSA 10 which the industry consider equal even though those numbers don't seem equal um there's a pretty decent difference like five six hundred dollars between those um
0: like saying PSA 10 is worth more than BGS so like why would you ever send? if you have a card that you think is mint why would you send it to Beckett if you could send it to PSA and be more likely to get a 10 and it'll be worth more
1: I I don't know um Hmm. I like I know that certain graders are better for like historical cards versus new cards. And definitely, I think personally I'd send it to Beckett if I had an autographed card. Um, but I don't know, like it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me to send it to Beckett when the value of those are lower. Um, yeah, I don't know.
0: Okay. Yeah. I guess we'll, We'll be learning as we go. We're going to send some to PSA. The autograph thing is interesting, actually. I'm going to add that to our list for an episode. That's wild. You told me that Beckett will authenticate autographs even Mm -hmm. if there's, like, no evidence or anything. I just send in this card that I think is signed by a player. And then they'll, like, somehow, they've got some (laughs) expert that knows how to look at autographs and tell if it's it's correct or not.
1: Yeah, so they... We should be clear, like, the autographs that you pull out of a box of cards, they don't need to authenticate those because those came from upper deck but if you have a card and you meet Connor mcdavid and he signs it there's no proof that he did that yeah so you have to send it in and yeah they they have a database of signatures and professionals that review whether it is actually his signature
0: and yeah i'll be honest i'm kind of surprised because in my opinion it I, I've i never tried it, but it seems like how hard could it be to forge a signature, right? Like just like, I don't know, take a tracing paper or something, like find an example of it and just, I don't know. I feel like if I put my mind to it, I could sign someone's autograph and it would look similar. But I guess Beckett knows how to tell. I do have actually a Felix Potvan rookie card that I lined right. up in Ottawa uh, but that I guess I probably won't sell because how much could it even be worth and like my parents did like sit with me for like two hours in line waiting <laughs> to go get yeah. the signature and I actually have a picture and I remember being kind of disappointed after because I like smiling with the biggest grin of all time and Pot Van just has sort of a grumpy face like he's been signing autographs for hours <laughs> and he's tired and so it wasn't like the the prized image that I was hoping for but I do have a signed rookie card and I remember though afterwards I sort of learnt, or I was sort of told that, like, actually signing, a va- getting a signature on a valuable card was actually a mistake. Because now you're, like, defacing this, like, valuable... Well, at the time, I thought it was going to be valuable Felix Potvin rookie card. I'm sure you could get it for two bucks now. But what? Okay, <laughs> again, we'll do this in an episode. One last thing, and then we'll get to our main topic today. But yeah, what do you think about if you have a good card, if you had a Young Guns Fiala, and then you happen to be walking down the street with your Young Guns Fiala, and then you see him walking down the street do you give it to him with a marker and ask him to sign it or would that be a big mistake? I mean, assuming that you actually care about money because I know we probably should give some credence to the fact that some people are just trying to have fun and enjoy their lives and like they don't care about making a profits off of their cards and it'll be cool to them so obviously do it but if you're trying to make a profit do you give Fiala the card to sign or do you ask him to sign your shirt or something instead?
1: I think personally I would get him to sign it but I don't know whether that would increase its value or not but it does make it a one out of one, right? Like, nobody else has that card um Mm. there's a lot of things that go into signature quality um like how well they do their signature because if they do it (laughs) fast maybe it's it's weird or like maybe they write on top of the young guns text and all of a sudden like you can't read the card like it's yeah it's a bit of a tricky one but i do think personally that i would much prefer to like run into someone and like <laughs> As someone in chat is saying, have a marker on you uh, and like all your cards in your pocket. Um, <laughs> like it would be so much more fun to get an autograph kind of by chance than waiting in a line for them.
0: Well, yeah. I don't know. I feel so awkward. I did once see Danny Briere walking oh. around in downtown Ottawa. And I, like, did the thing where, like, I got my friend to sort of pose for a picture and Briere was in the background and really I was focusing on Briere except I made it look as if I was just taking a picture of my friend. Because, like, I don't know, I'm too shy to, like, I can't imagine myself just going up to him when he's, like, he was with a lady. And I was like, well, maybe that would make him look good. But, like, I don't know, like, hey, can you sign sign my card? Like, I don't know, it feels so lame. Also, there was the, like, 10% chance that it wasn't Danny Briere and just someone who looked like, Oh my God. That would have been also (laughs) awkward. I'm pretty sure it was.
1: That's hilarious. Um, okay. You said one more thing, but I have one fun segment to try out before we get to our main topic. So here's some guys, here's some values and you have to guess which guy is which value. So I have for you today, three players. They're all young guns, uh, just regular ungraded young guns. Um, one of them is going to be worth twenty dollars. One of them is going to be worth thirty-five, and one is worth fifty-five. Uh, and these are all Canadian prices for anyone listening.
0: I'm feeling confident about this because I've You're been feeling like, confident. Well, I've been on eBay a lot, looking <laughs> at card vibes. so maybe maybe I'm now setting myself up. But uh, so, what was it? Twenty? What were the prices again? $20, $35, and
1: fifty-five. Okay, i okay? All right. So the three players are Mark Stone. Alexander Barkov and Johnny Gaudreau. Okay.
0: Barkov, Gaudreau, and Stone, and the prices are 20, 35, and 55. Okay. I'm going to say Mark Stone is the 20, and I'm going to say Gaudreau is the 35, and Barkov
1: is the 55. All right. Elon's been doing his homework. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, so you're right. Um, yeah, I, I've just kind of been thinking, are values always what we expect? Um, and in some cases, I feel like they are. Like when we look at, you know, if you look at Matthews versus someone on any other team, uh, you're like, oh yeah, it's Matthews. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this one, I actually found like Stone, Goudreau, and Barkov. Like if you think about who's the best player, you might actually say Stone. Uh yeah. And, you know, like, Barkov plays in Florida, so, like, why is he so high up there? Um, I'm going to be honest. I
0: don't love this. I don't love that (laughs) this is the truth. Like, I know it is, and I've seen Mark Stone, Young Gun, selling for 20. Like, I've bid a couple auctions, like, 15, and then I got outbid, but whatever then. But, like, then I I had to, like, think to myself, why am I bidding on this? Like, Mark Stone is... Doing amazingly, and this is all he's worth. I don't think he's gonna like do better at this point. He's already in his late 20s. I feel like, unless Vegas, I guess, wins the cup. But, like, I don't know. I feel like someone like Gaudreau and Barkov, they're a little bit younger, and maybe they still have the potential to do something special. Like, the Flames, I feel like, have never, well, not I feel, the Flames have never gone far in the playoffs. Now, yeah. we're, now we're getting rumors that Gaudreau might be traded. Maybe that yeah. could be good for him depending on where he goes. And like Barkov, I feel like, like we already think of him as like a star and I guess 55 is actually a pretty good price for him. And like, but also I think the reason why he's priced so high is because people still think there's like room for him to grow in like fame and value. You know, because maybe Florida one day makes the playoffs and maybe Barkov actually could hit 100 points. Uh, but it's a bummer, right? It because is. Because Mark Stone should be worth more. And at this point, I don't think, I don't see how he ever will.
1: I, yeah. And that's kind of why I thought this would be an interesting segment because yeah, Mark stone was just in the playoffs. Vegas almost made it again. Uh, He was probably their best player. So it's wild. And I think it's, it's interesting to highlight. And I think there's definitely an element of the way that players play the game. And, Barkov is a flashy guy. Right. He makes the highlight reels constantly. And he's regarded as like one of the best players by like the general public, I'll call it. Whereas Mark Stone might not be brought up until you're into like the super hockey nerds talking.
0: Yeah, he's great for takeaways. But those who yeah, don't right. show up in the highlights, <laughs> uh, even in fantasy, uh, only the really yep. nerdy leagues on fan tracks can <laughs> Uh, But you know what? That could actually be a good transition into our main topic for this episode, which are mistakes. Because maybe that is an example of a mistake you might make, is thinking to yourself, oh, Mark Stone's awesome. $20 is cheap. I'm going to go buy, like, 20 Mark Stone young guns, because I think he's going to go up. And I guess you do have to realize that potentially... Uh, that's just what a player is going to be worth. And even if you don't like it, you know, you have to... Uh, and I guess it also comes to, I know, something you had in the list. So maybe actually I'll, I'll cut to you. But like, I think one of the things I saw that you had in there is you have to kind of have a plan, right? Like if you're buying a card, what's the reason? Like, obviously, if you love Mark Stone, then that's a good enough reason for you. Sure. But if you're planning on reselling it, it's like, wh- like what, do you ex- what are you hoping to have happen? Like, what's going to trigger it to go up? When would you sell it? And unfortunately, I feel like it's... It seems to me, from following eBay over this short time, you want to buy these like young players, like a Nick Suzuki, who like he wishes, and the Habs wish he'll be like Mark Stone one day. Like he's a great right. prospect with upside to hopefully, fingers crossed, be Mark Stone. And his card is currently like sixty plus for a young guns Nick Suzuki. So it's it's like uh, you buy him. So if you're gonna buy a Suzuki, I feel like you gotta think of like, when are you going to sell this card? Cause he's already yeah. worth so much. And soon I could see him being the Mark stone down at $20, a really good player, but just not uh, getting much love anymore just cause he's older. And like maybe yeah. you start just thinking that, okay, I guess this guy's hit his peak.
1: Yeah. So I think buying with a purpose is a big thing and the mistake would be buying without a purpose. Um, before I kind of get into that, I do want to touch on something you said. If you're buying cards for your personal collection, that's kind of outside of the realm of this because you're collecting, like maybe you're collecting sharks players or you want to have all the young guns and that's kind of like a different conversation, but that is a purpose. So I think that's important. Um, But yeah, it's definitely something that I did too is you see a player that you know, is a very good hockey player and you see their value is much lower than their peers Um, one that I looked at was Logan Couture, who, you know, probably the best player on his team. People used to talk about him as like Crosby like, um, and his cards are not very expensive, but I didn't really think about like, when would I sell a Logan Couture or why do I expect the value of the Couture to go up? And the answer to that, if I'm thinking about it in retrospect is like, he'd kind of have to win a cup. And is San Jose winning a cup? (laughs) I mean, yeah, long pregnant pause there. I mean, when
0: they signed Eric Carlson for 10 million a year for seven years or whatever it was, I think the plan was to go for a cup. It definitely didn't work out well that way last year. Um, Yeah, yeah. They have some good players. But yeah, I get your point. Like what is, when is Couture going to go up at this point? Right,
1: right. And uh, there's a question in the chat about, does position affect the prices? And I think that's important to think about too. I know you talked about Jack Campbell as a backup goalie. And like, even if you're wrong in, in your uh, reasoning for buying Jack Campbell as like, maybe the starter in Toronto gets hurt and he becomes the goalie. At least you have a plan for him. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: And so like the dump, like the mistake for me would be to have bought this Jack Campbell and then have, like Anderson get hurt or get traded or something and Jack Campbell goes on a great run and his cards go up and then me like think, yeah, but maybe he'll be even better. Maybe it will go up even more. (laughs) Like I feel like I definitely have this idea in my head that like once Campbell's hitting like 20 bucks, if that ever happens, I'm going to sell because I'm not going to delude myself into thinking that no, the sky's the limit on this guy. So like, yeah, I bought that card, I guess, right, with a purpose and who knows if it'll actually come true or not. But I, you need to sort of know what your plan is. And like you said, if you, and again, if the purpose of your buying is to make money, don't forget that we're going to be doing our fantasy hockey card game Mm. soon, where we're going to be competing against each other to see who could make the most yeah, so who can make the most money? So that is an example where it's yeah. like, you're not buying this card to invest for a thousand... Years. Although I guess we did say that like at the end of the season, you'll, we'll still count your cards that you haven't sold and we'll just count them by their current value. But I feel like if you buy a Jack Campbell, yeah, the goal is to wait for him to get a couple shutouts in a row and then sell while the Toronto hype is going crazy.
1: Yeah, if he blows up. like, And I think the other interesting thing about having a purpose is having a reason or a time or a value you will sell at. And that will allow you to get rid of him. Because Campbell is a bit of an interesting case where if he becomes the starter and kind of blows up a little bit, I think you'll feel pretty okay getting rid of him. But if, I don't know, what's a good example? Let's say you buy a Darlene card. And your goal is for his value to double. And you think that's pretty achievable because he's one of the best defensemen young defensemen in the league and his values haven't really skyrocketed yet
0: in fact I actually just bought a Darlene for $20 yeah. off of Kijiji I biked 45 <laughs> minutes to some guy's house and he was definitely high and oh like, God. he was like smoking a joint while I was talking to him and he was like clearly had been doing it for a while and so you uh, got a, a good pretty- deal it was a fun interaction. Yeah, I should have waited and negotiated at the time. I'd already agreed to pay him $20. But <laughs> yeah, I definitely am expecting Darlene's value to go up. But you're right. I haven't actually thought about it because it would be so tempting, right? Like if, yeah. let's say, he has a good year next season and his card's selling for 50 on one hand, it's like, oh, this is a great profit i could sell this right now i've made 30 dollars. but on the other hand he was first overall pick he's having a great season he's only 21 or whatever he is going to be next year like you'd think oh what can he be like even better like how high can he go and it's sort of hard to know but that's the thing with these young players like all of their cars for some reason dalene like not as much like i don't know why nick suzuki is more than dalene though i guess or like yeah Yeah, because on montreal like kapokako or like i don't know some of these players maybe it's also forward versus defenseman but it's like uh Some of these guys, a Kapokako right now, you have to spend like $30, $40 to buy his card. And it's like, even if he has a great season next year, is it
1: going to go up higher? Like it already seems pretty high unless he becomes a huge... Yeah, he kind of ballooned a little bit. Um, But again, New York Rangers, big impact there. They're set to get, you know, the next best phenom in the league. Um, And you did mention position there a little bit, so I'll touch on it quickly. I think... Generally speaking, you want forwards and you want people that are, are going to get points. So if you are going towards defense, you want guys that are getting points. And there's always exceptions to those rules a little bit. But those are kind of the highest value cards. And then goalies, like you need to be buying Carey Price or Patrick Watt, or they're not really going crazy. You know, maybe Vasilevsky right now has a pretty big
0: boost. but Right now, Schistjorkin cards are going for a lot. Really? And I guess that's, again, the Rangers. He had a great finish to the season. I, I was thinking I wanted to buy one, but it was like going for $40, $50. Interesting. Let me yeah, check so right now.
1: I actually have a couple uh, Samsonov cards, but I don't know. My theory with goalies is kind of jump ship on them when you can because they're so unpredictable. And, yeah, that's, that's basically the end of my thought. They're so unpredictable unless it's Carey Price level or maybe Carter Hart would be one that I would hang on to.
0: Yeah, I'm looking on eBay right now. I'm seeing a Shostjorkin auction. 14 hours left. It's already at $41 and climbing. People are into this guy. Uh, I mean, he had a great career in the KHL. He was amazing in the AHL. He came to the Rangers, was amazing there. Uh, I'm looking at the sold values now. and I'm seeing like, yeah, around 40. So I guess like what he's at now, it's like this card is going to sell for more than he's been selling for lately. So people are even getting more excited for him at the moment. Or maybe it's just one crazy person that went too high. Though I guess the way eBay works is like, you, even if you bid super high, someone else has to bid you up to actually make you spend that much. Yeah. Uh, so two crazy people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess with goalies I don't know I guess I'll have to wait and see it's interesting that you say that because like all I know is from my experience in this month watching the playoffs like Hudobin seemed to go up and Vasilevsky seems to be selling very well right now so we'll have to see next yeah. year how the hot goalies do
1: yeah I mean as I listened to you say that maybe there's more because goalies vary so much there might be kind of an investment opportunity there because you can kind of get in on their dip and they kind of waver more yeah um so that's kind of an interesting take.
0: I yeah. So and I guess just to close the talk on these like prospect cards and this general tip you gave of like yeah. buying with a purpose. Uh I still don't really know if I know the answer yet. Because it's it's weird with these prospects where their cards are worth more than like established superstars. Uh like, you know, Capo is worth more than Mark Stone and Johnny Gaudreau right now, as we've discussed. And it's obviously because people are excited about what Kako can do. So it's like if you get one, if you open a pack and pull a Kako right now, do you sell now while he's high or do you wait because obviously he was drafted second overall and we're expecting big things from him. But uh, in the back of my mind, I think like, well, like Johnny Goudreau did big things and he's been doing big things and he's only selling for 35. So like how big are these things that Kako will need to do to be worth a lot of money, you know, come like six years from now when he's no longer the new hot thing that people are excited about. So to me, my current takeaway and obviously if we do this podcast for six years we'll probably learn a lot of lessons and change but my current sense is you probably don't want to be buying these expensive prospects and you if anything you want to be selling unless it's like a superstar right unless it's like a Mm -hmm. kale mccarr or quinn hughes that's kind of different because i feel like these guys are going to have like amazing careers and they but you know aside from like the crazy ones like that someone like a hughes or kako i'd wait i almost feel like it'll just go down first before it goes up, because they're not going to be superstars next year.
1: Yeah, those two are going to be really interesting to watch. I think you might still be kind of at a point where you could buy um, because they haven't yet had a season where they break out. But obviously on those two, you'd probably want to have gotten in already by this point. Um,
0: I was actually looking
1: at the last three or four years of drafts, and there's quite a few guys that haven't made the league yet that I think could be interesting. Um, Like if you look at Doc, even Kirby Doc from last year, if you were to get his card before he broke into the league, it was probably pennies. But now he's like the new hotness, as you say. So it's like skyrocketed. And people are definitely buying the value of the future. Um, But I also think there's just like, and this is why I think, hockey cards is a little bit different than fantasy hockey or just like even just valuing players in general for hockey. Like, is this guy better than that guy? Um, The like media attention and attention on these new players is so much higher than on the guys that are like expected to get 60, 70 points every year.
0: Right. So yeah, Kirby Doc is another like great example, so like you said, he would have been a great investment at the start of the season because I guess he, he was third overall, so maybe not like yeah. as much hype as the first two. Uh, but like now you could uh, buy his card for around 30, 40 dollars, or sh- I should say maybe sell, sell mm. for that much. And uh, I don't know, I just feel like. I, I'm interested to know, like is maybe the, this, like, the fact that we're expecting him to break out next year, is that already priced in? You know, it's it's like, th- that's why he's uh, cost 32 right now, because people think he's going to do well. So now next year, if he does get 65 points, is it going to go up even more? Or was that taken into account with the fact that that's his current price?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit different because Kako and um, Jack Hughes haven't done it yet. And he kind of has, he had a great playoffs. Um, but actually the doc talk leads me into another, uh, mistake that I made personally. And I think it could still pan out. So I'll lead with that. But when I first got into this, I wasn't paying too close attention to the grading companies. And, uh, you know, I was looking at grade nine, grade 10, 10 out of 10. Um, kind of as all equal. And I ended up getting a Kirby Doc 9.0, but I got it from a company called Mint, which is kind of ironic with the name of the podcast. But um, I didn't realize at the time that Mint grading was not as respected as PSA or as Beckett BGS. And so the value is actually changing based on what grading company you go to. And... um, you know, that also could change in the future and the value of this card doesn't change from what I bought it for. So I could still sell the mint graded dock again, but I just didn't notice that. And I think it's important to really like do your homework on the grading companies and understand what the values are and what the differences are.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it also is just nice that if you buy a card from a grading company that's reputable, then probably you'll find other examples already on eBay of that exact same yep. card with that exact same grade being sold. So then you could just know, okay, this is what Sebastian Aho PSA 9 is selling for now. So is this a good deal or not? But if you're buying it from Mint, like who I've never heard of, like who knows what that is even worth. And then when you do want to sell it, I think prospective buyers that are thinking it's a smart investment might not know like what, you know, they might be wary to bid because they don't know right. if they'll be able to resell it because no one knows this company.
1: Yeah, it'll be harder to sell for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also just 9, it just seems like 9 is such a disrespected number. Like I'm just seeing like PSA 9s, like I'm seeing a like a Patrick Line a PSA 9 sold a couple or September 8th for less than $40, like 38.99. Yeah. And I think like a Line a PSA 10, we'd be talking about like well yeah, like 150. Like it's such a huge difference. It's almost like a 9 no no one wants a 9.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know. Don't even so buy it. So for I mean for the brand new cards, let's call them, like, you know, ones that have been made in the past few years, the odds of them being in 9.5 or 10 condition are quite a bit higher. So the population, or pop is the term in the industry, um, is going to be really high of, of cards graded that level. Whereas if you're looking at cards that are 10 or 20 or 30 years old, the number of cards that oh are yeah tens or nines like how many nine gretzkys can you find it's it's not really a thing so
0: yeah definitely when i that whole rant that i said was talking about like new cards yeah not yeah. like yeah obviously a gretzky rookie that's a nine is gonna get some respect i think uh yeah by the way uh the guy who's named jack but in the chat jack 0812 but actually i think he said his name was matt yeah Yeah. he's asking about here's another maybe potential i don't know if this is a mistake because you would just learn but like you search for if you're trying to tell like what's the value of a player's card uh definitely look at sold prices and not current auctions because he's saying why is haskinen only like five dollars on ebay and i'm pretty sure unless he's, like, looking at the wrong card, like, if he's looking at a Young Guns canvas, or an OPC or something, whatever, assuming we're talking about the main Young Guns upper deck card, probably there's, like, three, four days, or he said, yeah, three, four days left in the auction, so maybe yeah. sometimes, that's, like, a seller tip, which I think we want to do an episode about that, too, we like, do. how to, like, yeah. sell, and it's, like, you know, they're trying to probably get people excited, it definitely works for me, right, you see a $5 and you're like, oh, I'll, I'll get that, so then you bid, then you're definitely gonna get outbid, and yeah. then all of a sudden, eBay's gonna start messaging you, being like, hey, there's only a day left, I saw you you bid on this card you sure you don't want to get it now and, and you know and so i think there's a reason why they're pricing it low obviously the seller's taking a small risk that what if no one notices and then all of a sudden you do have to sell it for five dollars and actually i did get a little nervous when i posted my ben young guns i posted for like eight bucks or something because ebay actually just made a recommendation they were like this yeah. is what we recommend you sell this card for to end you'll sell it in the end for like 30 something and they were wrong they lied to me <laughs> it sold for whatever i said it was 27 but uh Yeah, it was $8 and then like three, I listed it for seven days and like four days went by without a bid or there then at one point I was thinking maybe I should just like cancel it because no one's bid yet and you could still cancel if no one's bid. And then all of a sudden a bid came in and I was almost like disappointed because now I can't cancel it. And then it stayed at like $8 for a couple more days. And I got really nervous that I was just going to have to sell my Ben Young guns for $8 in that case, I would have rather held it. But then it did. It did have the exciting finish. Yeah. And like I said, it, it did pop up enough. Uh, but yeah, yeah so as last, a buyer, yeah. The are trying to is you. big.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, that's yeah.
0: actually what happened with my Gretzky card. It was pretty wild. It uh, was at around a thousand. And then just in the last minute, it went up like $200, <laughs> like right. just like, it was, it was
1: yeah, I was watching that actually. Cause you told me, you were like, Oh, it hasn't really gone up. I was like, well, let's just watch the last two minutes.
0: Um, <laughs> it also comes back to bite you too. I remember uh, I was looking at a Pedersen PSA 10 and I finally like convinced myself to take the plunge. I, the mm. price looked good. I actually like, got my wife with me and we were both, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to spend, like, I think it was like two hundred dollars whatever yeah. i bid on it and then i was like i think it's gonna be worth a lot like just trust me like next year the canucks go to the playoffs <laughs> this card's gonna be worth a lot and i bid like 200 and then we were like counting down it was fun there was like a minute left i had the phone out and then it got to like 10 seconds and we we're like counting and then all of a sudden just like outbid 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 and then it ended up selling for, like 250 or something like yeah. so much more and i was like i never was gonna if i knew it was gonna go for that much i wouldn't have wasted my time but it was, it was actually kind of fun but it yeah. was also kind of sad when i was like i i thought i had it and then 10 seconds later it's gone
1: Yeah, I think all of that stuff is such a good learning experience, especially early. Um, And that's kind of why we wanted to do this mistakes episode so early is you learn from all these things and adjust. Um, And definitely paying super close attention on eBay is something that you kind of have to learn and you do have to pay close attention it comes back a little bit to doing things with purpose so that you can be paying attention and understanding like how much you want to spend on something so that you won't get carried away in that kind of auction frenzy. Um, But then, you know, there's a lot of stuff to pay attention to on eBay. You have to pay attention to seller ratings. Like is this seller like brand new and are they trying to scam people or do they have good ratings? Um, like ideally you want to be like zooming in on the photos and making sure that like there's no visible, Mm -hmm.
0: uh,
1: scratches or corner dings or whatever. Well, we should Um, probably
0: dig into that actually. Can you expand? Like when you zoom into that image, like what, what do you look for? All I know really to look for is obviously like a scratch, like a noticeable, like blemish on the face of the card. I feel like most people would be able to catch that. Uh, and then I, I personally, then I go look at each corner and I try to tell if it's sharp. Aside from that, I know you mentioned this thing to me about centering and then you even sent me an example of like a card that wasn't nicely centered. And then Mm -hmm. I think I responded being like, oh, I see. But I'll be honest, I didn't really, I couldn't really tell. (laughs) I was just trying to sound cool.
1: Yeah, so there's four and you'll see them on any graded card by BGS it's part of the reason I actually like BGS is they break it, break down their grading. Instead of just saying 10, they give you a rating for all four things. And the four things are centering surface corners and edges. And so those are the four things that I try to look at. I'm no expert at grading yet, but when I'm zooming in, it's not just the corners. You have to go all the way around every edge and see if there's nicks, both front and back is sometimes things are on the back of the card that, you can't see from the front. Um, I find the surfaces one is really difficult because most of the cards are being shown in plastic and the plastic can be scratched up and it's tough to tell. Um, And the centering one, depending on the year of the card can also be extremely hard. Um, Some years they'll have like the young guns in like kind of a, box for better lack of a better way of saying it and then you can see like is the box on the left like the same distance from the edge of the card as, as on the right but some years the young guns is kind of on an off-centered design and then it's it's a lot harder uh to see the centering so that's definitely a skill that i think you have to build up if you want to get serious about it
0: but ryan i gotta admit like i just don't get it like how is this possible like upper deck is a company they have one job to, like, okay. print these cards. And, like, if they print a card that's not printed right, like, if I'm buying a 1920 pack and I pull them a car, Young Guns, and then, like, I send it to PSA and they tell me it's a 9 out of 10 centering i'm like f you upper deck like why i paid full price for this pack of cards just print like i feel like upper deck should just let me sh- send it in for a replay like if i buy a pair of bose headphones and then like my headphones don't work they're gonna give me a refund so like it doesn't yeah. make sense to me how is that even i can understand for an old card when they used to use i don't know inkjet printers or whatever they were doing to like print out these cards I, I, by the way, I, I'm aware that it probably wasn't that. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, how is it possible that with this big operation, they're printing cards that aren't centered? I don't get it.
1: Yeah, it's... I mean, I do get it because I come from a graphic design background and centering, oh, <laughs> centering borders is a nightmare. Um, and if you've ever seen the way that they print cards, they're printed in these big sheets and then cut. And so you have to cut it properly and center it properly. And, you know, there's... As much as, like, young guns are rare, there's still a hell of a lot of them made. Um, So I get it. And and centering is definitely the weirdest one because the other ones are all about, like, you know... It's like how well... Yeah, did yeah. the card get damaged?
0: Yeah, and, how well did you take care of your card? Right. That I feel like is what you should be yeah. judged on. I don't like the idea that I'm going to send in a card and then get a low grade when it's not even my fault. Yeah. Uh, Upper Deck is lucky. They don't really have much competition, at least in terms of the, uh, like another company that people respect, so they can get away with it. I feel like if I was starting a new hockey card company, my number one marketing technique would be like, if your card isn't centered, I'll give you a new one.
1: <laughs> yeah like, and then like, and then upper deck would be like yeah but we have all the nhl right so we've got the logos and the, like
0: yeah then i'll go to the nhl and be like hey gary bettman do you want to be associated with this company that's ripping off its customers by sending defected cards and not like not accepting returns i kind right. of hope you
1: do this now um, <laughs> <laughs> i think we should start
0: this yeah, uh, okay, so one thing I don't know if we fully covered it, so just to make sure we crossed it off the list, uh, another type of mistake, which is similar to like buying without purpose, I guess, was this concept of like buying cards that people are really excited about right now. And yep. I feel like clearly, like you said, a bunch of players, not all of them, but like a bunch of players who are in the spotlight right now, I think we talked last week about Anton Hudobin. His cards are probably selling for more than they ever have. Yeah, potentially probably more than they ever will, I would guess, Uh, because what are the chances he again gets to be a even a starting goalie, let alone a starting goalie that leads his team to the finals? So Um, it's like, is there any reason aside from being a Stars fan? Uh, to buy an Anton Hudobin Young Guns card right now. Like, right now I'm seeing... Right now? A, it's selling on eBay. Let me find the latest sold Hudobin Young Guns. 72 Oh, this is a gloss. We'll have to do a whole card about this. There's a like Young Guns, but, like, with a gloss on it, and that's worth more. Okay, forget that. Okay, so $7, actually. So maybe it's not... Maybe people are smart enough. Oh, no, here's one for 18 So, yeah, yeah some people are spending big on a Hudobin, when I'm sure going into the playoffs, that was, like, a $2 card.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we talk about him specifically, I think... He does have going for him that he has a great personality. Like, there's so many great clips of him saying hilarious things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's got Dobby on his helmet. And so, like, there's a likability factor. But, yeah, like, he's a pretty old goalie. This is the first time he's been a starter even. Um, and he played amazing. I don't want to oh, take yeah. anything away from him. But hockey card-wise, yeah, like, I don't think that you should really get in on him um but also like there's hype about younger players too and um one that i got in on that i would say is maybe half mistake but half i don't care is carter hart um so i got him kind of partway into the playoffs and the hype was definitely real it had started so i'll be curious to see if maybe i should have bought him after the playoffs but i was also thinking like going back to my last point there was purpose if they won the cup they would be worth way more right now right that's the same um, as what
0: i said about the ben card that i bought right. I'm not
1: selling it right away uh,
0: but i also i think carter hart is different because i almost think of like netflix and how like it started going up and maybe a lot of people felt like well i might as well not buy it right. now cuz it's already started going up and then it like continued to skyrocket like carter hart could yeah, have an ama- he's still so young and he's a starting goalie and now it's we were actually just talking about this on keeping carlson this past sunday the fantasy hockey podcast about how like it seems like fewer and fewer teams are going with like one sure starter and then the backup you know they'll get a backup hopefully someone that could like play some games so that the starter doesn't you know, get overplayed and, and right. not rested, but you know what I mean? Like it's not the case where a lot of teams are now just doing 50, 50 or 60, 40, trying to go with what like Dallas had with Hudobin Dobin and Bishop. But so like a guy like Carter Hart or a Vasilevsky, they're becoming more rare. Hellebuck on Winnipeg. So it almost makes me think their cards will be worth more. Cause the, yeah. it's going to be harder to win a Vesna. I'd imagine like when they decide who's going to win the Vesna, games played has got to be one of the considerations. And if a goalie only played 40 games, I don't think they'd have a chance against a Carter yeah. Hart who maybe played a little bit worse, but played 60 games.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And, and that's why I say it was like kind of a mistake. Um, because if I was going to do it again, uh, I mean, I didn't have the choice because I got into this kind of mid playoffs a little bit, but if I was going to do it again, I'd say before the playoffs buy that heart card, um, assuming that, you know, His value could go up, and I wouldn't be would have been able to get it cheaper. So it was more about the timing for Carter Hart because I'm in no way upset that I have a Carter Hart card. Uh, I think it's going to be a great play long term because he's amazing. Um, So what's your plan?
0: Like, do you have a price that you're going to sell it for? I have,
1: yeah. So I actually have not listed that, but Carter Hart for me is kind of in the same category as McDavid. Uh, where I do plan to keep them for a long time and kind of with like that option out if like he wins the con Smythe and wins the Stanley Cup like maybe you should consider unloading at that point but Mm -hmm. um, yeah I'm super high on Carter Hart so I'm more in the longer term game with him.
0: Right. But you're saying maybe you bought the hype a little bit, could have yeah. gotten him for cheaper. And if I were to buy Pedersen right now, you were saying last week that maybe he's still riding a bit of a hype wave that could go down in a little bit. Hard to say.
1: I'm curious, actually, has he gone down in the last week?
0: No, not really. really. No? Okay. I feel like people love him.
1: Yeah, well, right sure. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, so let's get through the rest of our mistakes we had. I guess one that I came up with, which I think uh, Matt wrote here in the chat right at the start, uh, right. buying packs. Yeah, and that's again. I guess I don't know if this is gonna be controversial because again, it kind of comes down to what your goal is. Like obviously, there's this like fun rush of like opening a pack and pulling cards and seeing what you're gonna get. But it. Oh, you've got. To, are you gonna open a pack <laughs> on the show for us? I could. Uh, that would be a lot of fun. Okay, yeah. well, let's do that in a minute. Let's end the show with that. Yeah. So stay tuned. What card? What pack is that? Uh, it's
1: 1920 series one.
0: So who, who are you hoping for to get in there?
1: Um, 1920 would Is that be... like Makar Hughes? Yeah, yeah, Svechnikov, I think. So who's, or no,
0: Svechnikov would be the year before, I would guess, but, uh... Oh
1: yeah, you're right. But uh,
0: Series 1 versus Series 2, I guess you need to know, which I guess is another mistake you want to avoid, is make sure you know when you buy a pack. So first I was saying maybe don't buy a pack, yeah. which we could get into. But if you are going to buy a pack, make sure you know like what cars are potentially and, in there. And so that was that on is, my list, yeah. 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 Okay. But okay, first about just buying or not buying. Uh, I, yeah, it just seems like if I'm trying to get... Like a Young Guns card on an upper deck pack is only like one in four. You're going to get mm-hmm. a Young Guns. And then there's a whole bunch of no-name players that show up there. I guess every single rookie that played that year pretty much shows up in the set. So it seems like maybe unless you're going for like a McDavid or a card that's just worth so much at this point that it's not feasible to buy it off of eBay, uh, it seems very unlikely that you're going to pull a valuable card from a pack versus just spending the money.
1: Yeah, I think the McDavid search, let's call it, might be worth it if you really did the math, but still probably not because those packs have gone up in value. Um, and yeah, you said it that you're looking for a single card out of 50 young guns. Every pack has a one in four chance. Uh, and then there's another thing is if that card's not in good condition, well, okay, now it needs to be in good condition. So you're looking for like so many to hit so many things. Mm -hmm. Um, that if you're, like, from a purely financial standpoint, you're going to be better off buying the card. But on the flip side, if you enjoy opening packs or, you know, you're looking to kind of learn about what's in the packs or you're looking to um, collect some different cool inserts, I would say, like, if you have the right reasons and it comes down to purpose again, then opening packs isn't, like, bad. But... yeah. Yeah, from the like financial odds perspective, it's more like gambling than investing.
0: Yeah, which obviously gambling is very popular. And I am, I'll admit, very excited to watch you open this pack now (laughs) and see who you get. So obviously there's something really good about that. Uh, What do you do with the other cards, by the way? Like I opened a pack... Uh, a couple weeks ago uh, I was walking by 401 games and this is before we started talking you started explaining why I think I even bought like a pack of a card that of a set that I wasn't even going to get a good card I actually did end up pulling a young guns uh, and I actually forget some guy on Detroit that I had never heard of I think Uh, I asked you about him was it
1: Christopher Ean
0: no it wasn't him okay I'll I'll find sorry (laughs) this is like bad podcasting it was a guy that's like 27 years old already and I think has played like a couple games Mm. and he's Anyway, it was a useless pack, but I did pull a uh, David Pasternak card, oh. and it's, like, 2017-18, eight, 2018-19. Is, is that, I looked it up, It's like, so worth anything? Like, I don't know, it feels like if you don't get a Young Guns, all these, mm. like, superstar players aren't even worth anything as if it's not their Young Guns.
1: Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, there's exceptions to that. There's, like, rare autos and, like, one-of-ones mm. and, like, crazy things that they do put in these packs. So, like, there are other things, but the odds on those are, like, astronomical. Right, so, but
0: the main set is basically worthless.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm actually trying to find that out right now. Like, if you have a complete set, can you sell it for something? Um, complete set being numbered 1 to 200, because the rookies are numbered 201 to 250. Right. So if you have 1 to 200, can you sell that for something to someone that wants to collect the whole set? Not sure.
0: Yeah, I mean... At that point, I think it's just because it like, kind of looks cool. Like, you could set up a fun background behind you like you have here. Of, yeah. like, you could show all your favorite players. Uh, yeah. But I feel like these are the kinds of things. It's like, those are the cards that I would be throwing against the wall with my friends. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the uh, main set guys, because I don't see why those are ever going to go. If a Pasternak uh, card isn't worth much now, I don't think it's going to go up. No, It's not even well, a dollar.
1: So what's really... We're on like a super tangent here. But what's, what I find extremely interesting is in basketball, football, the other sports the base cards from players like f- after their first year. Um, so like, as you said, this year, Sveshnikov would be a year in the base card is actually starting to take off. So it's really strange. Like it's not their rookie card. It's a base card. And, but like
0: you're saying in their second season.
1: Yeah. So like the, on the back of the card, you'd be able to see the stats from their first season. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, And those are taking off in other sports. And I think it's in part because the prices of rookies has gotten so expensive that, you know, not everyone can afford to buy a rookie of their favorite player. And so that's like the next coolest thing. I Um, see. But yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it'll change. But right now, yeah, they're not worth anything.
0: Interesting. Okay,
1: so that's buying packs.
0: That's also what we're saying what was that second thing if you do buy a pack, then, oh yeah, make sure that you're, you are yeah. you know what cards are potentially going to be available.
1: Yeah, so if you look up the name of the box, so this one would be Series 1 2019-20 Upper Deck. Uh, there's things called checklists on the internet. You can get them on Cardboard Connection, or uh, I think Beckett has some, and it'll list all the possible run- young guns in that year. And then you can get an idea of like, is it like, even though the the value is probably not gonna be worth it generally, but is this box better than another box? And the example I give is 2015-16 in series one, you have like McDavid, I think Rantonin, uh, like it's Panarin. it's loaded Panarin, it's loaded. Um and then series. Remember, uh,
0: remember, Panarin won the Calder over. I McDavid. know because
1: McDavid got injured. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, you go to series two same year, and it's basically Jack Eichel or Bust. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. it. Um, and so like obviously one of those boxes is going to be much better.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, make sure you know. Okay, so uh, do you have any other mistakes you want to get to, or are we ready to open this pack?
1: Um. I liked your point about shipping and costs when selling. I know we co- we covered a little bit, but maybe you want to just talk about that a little bit.
0: Well, yeah, I guess just like make sure you have the full story. So obviously, when you're buying a card, the shipping is part of the cost. Unfortunately. Yeah like I said, you can, I don't know if this is like smart or not, because you might end up buying cards that you didn't want, but one, like a lot of sellers on eBay will say like $5 shipping and then free to add any, like up to five more cards without extra shipping cost, so you can maybe try to bid, you know, if you're deciding between, if you have two Patterson Young Guns that you're looking at, maybe you'll bid on the one that also has a seller that's selling another card that you're planning on bidding on, because potentially you could save on shipping. So, something to think about there, but yeah, and then when you're selling, like we've said, there's charges and apparently i didn't even realize there's like both an ebay charge and a paypal charge i assumed that these these couple cards i sold recently i just thought that that paypal charge was the full charge always i didn't even realize i was getting a deal so yeah make sure that you just think of the whole transaction plus also if you sell a card you have to ship it so you have to pay for the stamp and the whatever so obviously you include that you like have your own shipping cost on the card and you have to figure out how much it costs i just went today and bought five bubble mailers and seven mm. stamps. So I'm ready. Cause I have a couple more cards listed that nice. I'm ready. To see. But they're, but they're from my like old collection, my old life, the ones I'm just trying to dump. I'll, I'll keep you guys appraised when I'm trying to sell a cool card.
1: Yeah. I would love to see that. And maybe that's something we should post on our Instagram is like, what old cards are you getting rid of? Cause that'd be cool. Yeah, to see. I, I
0: could tell you right now I have a Wayne Gretzky Fleer, uh, it's like a Pearson Award insert. Okay. That was a pair. That was actually, I remember when I pulled it, it was one of my most exciting moments as a kid. It was like a one in a hundred. Ah. It was like, well, worth a hundred dollars in Beckett. And I had it in, like, a special case. I probably spent more money on the case than now I'm going to be able to sell the card for. Really? But, like, I listed... Actually, I did get a bid at 9.99, and that's where it's sitting right now. So, we'll see. It was, like, this rare 1997 insert. It's actually cool because he's wearing a blues jersey, but it has a Rangers logo on the card. So, it's as if they, like... Because I guess he had already signed with the Rangers right. when they printed the card. So, I don't know. But anyways, I'm- I listed that. I listed a Don Cherry rookie card.
1: Oh. which is) of controversial yeah, but fun yeah it's
0: kind of silly i don't know i just <laughs> kind of felt like i didn't want to have a don cherry card yeah. anymore now that i'm not a fan of him Get but of uh it. it's not in the best shape but it's up to like 18 dollars. so we'll see what that ends up going for and then i had some like also another like a rare insert paul korea that mm-hmm. at the time i thought was valuable and it probably in the becketts back in the day was it said it was valuable and now it's at like 250 so we'll see like right. how much it actually goes for so i'm just like slowly gonna i'm just thinking just for fun i'm just gonna always keep listing some of my old cards until I'm uh, through with those. And then I could just focus on these young guns that I'm more fascinated by. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, All right. So this has been a blast. This hour just flies by. I feel like this has been over an hour now. I feel like we've been talking for an hour and 15 minutes. We have. I know. I, I, I was
1: looking going, wow, we just really covered a lot of great stuff and talked forever.
0: Yeah. We still haven't met. Oh, actually, we did. We uh we were bike I was biking and then I I saw you going down the street. I, it makes you think, right? Like, because we actually live right near each other, but we only and we've been talking to each other in the Keeping Carlson Facebook group like for years, but uh, I never really knew what you looked like. Who knows how many times we've biked by each other and didn't realize. And now as, soon as I talked to you, like so many, yeah. And now like now that I know what you look like, that that week I see you biking by. But anyways, uh. I just say, it's kind of fun that uh, this person that I know that lives near me, we could t- chat for an hour and 15 minutes. The time just flies by. So if nothing else comes out of this podcast, yeah, you know, so- someone knew I could talk to about hockey cards, but okay. <laughs> New
1: hockey card friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. But okay. Awesome. I think we're,
0: yeah, I'm ready to see what's in this pack,
1: man. This is okay. very exciting. So uh, I will open one pack, but because it's like a one in four chance, you might have to open more than one for this to be exciting. Oh, okay. Well, Up to you. How many of them do you have? I have a few because I was thinking like we can open a few on the the podcast and just save the rest for the next podcast or whatever.
0: Okay. That could be like a fun just end of every show. We should end with like opening a pack. Right. Should we like have a thing? Okay. Not for this time because we haven't thought it through yet. We should have something where the listeners could sort of like get in on this somehow. Like maybe we pick. Oh, okay. How about this? We're on iTunes right now and okay it's gonna be something with like you giving us a five-star review on itunes i think and then like somehow then you get in on potentially getting a good card though i don't know if you'd want to give away if you pull them a car right now i don't know if you're gonna want to give that away to a listener so we'll we'll think through but uh stay tuned for what we're gonna do with ryan's mystery pack
1: openings but this one is all for you ryan so let's just see what what you get in there (laughs) i mean like so if they follow us on like every social media account and subscribe like maybe maybe that's cool (laughs) <laughs> yeah we'll Anyways. talk through a, a prize yeah all right let's do this thing all right so i'm gonna try and do this on camera sid the kid on the front
0: hey oh wait that's the front you mean the front of the on the package, package? Yeah, yeah oh yeah. yeah that's
1: so yeah okay i'm just making sure it doesn't like cut off the card okay can you actually see that
0: uh, i'm gonna have to make this bigger i got a lot of windows open here okay
1: uh it's a little bit blurry it's a guy on dallas who is that i'll just say the names you'll know when it's young guns All right, so this is uh, Tyler Sagan. Hey. Hey. Ryan Strom, big pull. Drew Dowdy. And oh, there's an insert. So this is a Shooting Stars, and that is Austin Matthews. Oh, that might be something. Yeah, so these Shooting Stars cards are actually pretty interesting. Um, They all have different colored backgrounds. So this one's blue. There's some red ones. um, And actually, these are some of the inserts that aren't $0 uh and definitely Matthews will be pretty cool so i actually am going to guess 4 bucks maybe hmm. but we'll have to look it up and check i'm
0: seeing you're not going to like this i'm seeing a, on september 6th a se- a lot of four shooting stars which included that Matthews one and Daline and two other players and it sold for $2 2
1: bucks okay so maybe you need the red background one
0: yeah yeah. No, it was a McKinnon red, uh, Taves red, Dalene blue, and Matthews blue, and the whole thing
1: sold Two for about fifty. Okay, so maybe nothing, but it's still a cool card. See, that's and that's what you get with opening packs, right? Is like, you get to see these inserts that you're not searching for on Google, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the rest of these are all your base cards.
0: Oh, you didn't pull a Young Guns.
1: No. There's what only... Who else is in there? There's only... Uh, so is, yeah, Robbie Thomas, Toivo Teravainen, and, and those cool... Uh, the wh-
0: Green Canes jerseys? Yeah,
1: yeah. The Hartford jerseys. Uh-huh. Uh, who's this? DeBrusque and Shea Theodore.
0: I mean, that's a good... If, if we were playing Fantasy, that would have been a nice pack for you. Some good players.
1: Yeah, if this was Fantasy, that would be decent. But, yeah, base cards.
0: Okay, well, it just means that there's a bit higher chance of getting uh, young guns in the next pack. It's By true. the way, wait, is there anything like that in a box? Is each pack completely independent of all the other packs in the box? Or do they, does Upper Deck try to include like a certain number
1: of young guns in each box? So, on the outside of the box, they say that it's one in four packs, and that does not guarantee you anything. So Mm. you could open an entire box and get nothing. But from what I've seen, it's pretty accurate. So I kind of expect to get, uh, like, in a box of 24 cards, there'd be, um, math, six Young Guns.
0: Right. Right. Well, I guess you would just think the more packs there are, the law of averages, I think it's called, law of large numbers, I don't know. Like, the the <laughs> more you out. get, the more likely it is that it'll just go to the odds. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, this operation they have running. Like, How do they keep track? Because I guess, do they know how many packs they're going to print, I guess, at the start? So they know how many of each card to print? And then they do they have some machines like, shuffling up all of these cards? I wonder if you've... If any, can you get two Young Guns in a pack? Is that even possible?
1: So there's only one... At least in these ones, there's only one thing inserted into each pack. Um, so, like, there'll be one card in the middle of all the base cards, like the math. Oh, you're was. guaranteed
0: to get something that's not a base card, you're saying? Yeah. Well, that's um, fun.
1: Well, I don't know if guaranteed, but if there is one, it'll be there. Um, yeah.
0: I guess it makes sense. They want to make it feel like a yeah. good experience for the person opening the pack.
1: But it must be a machine that does it, because sometimes that card is backwards.
0: Okay, (laughs) we need to one day get a upper deck like employee to come on the podcast it'd be so fascinating to hear how they do all of this that would be amazing i wonder if anyone's ever like printed a couple extra just for themselves there must be some quality control there i've also wondered like about the autographs back like wayne gretzky autographs are pretty valuable right yep but he's alive like if he was ever in a jam financially could he just like spend a day like signing a bunch of cards and then all of a sudden increases net worth because like, well, I mean,
1: you mean like sign his own cards? Yeah. I mean, I guess technically. Um, And yeah, he's alive. So, you know, Wayne Gretzky autographed upper deck cards come out every year. Uh, So like those are some inserts. Um, So yeah, there's probably going to be more value in guys that don't sign as many cards.
0: Right. I wonder if it would be cool if Beckett was able to authenticate if it's like a Gretzky signature from the 80s versus a Gretzky signature from this year like maybe he's changed his handwriting or something over time you would think like an autograph because yeah you'd think like the it would be more rare to get something he signed back in the day but okay maybe I'm asking for too much from these people which when I'm already expressing skepticism that they could even authenticate an autograph at all but anyway Ryan this was fun This was fun. we're two episodes in to the Near Mint podcast. Both times, I was thinking we should probably try to keep it to around 45 minutes, and both times has been an absolute failure. So, <laughs> I guess we'd love to get some feedback. Let us know what you thought of the show in general, uh, some of the segments, the length. Like, uh, we're, right now, we're babies. Like, we're open for any and all feedback of what we think we can do to make this podcast more appealing to you. Uh, and to hopefully people who aren't listening, because I can't imagine there's too many of you. So anyone listening right now, you're a special person, right? You're in on the ground floor. Oh, yeah. I want to know, I want to hear from you just so I'll be able to remember and give you kudos one day when we're big. I want to like have like the big 10, like people that were with us from the very beginning. So you have to make yourself known and you can do that in a lot of ways at this point. So tweeted us at near mint hockey. Uh, we've got an Instagram also at near mint hockey. Um, we're uh we have an email nearminthockey at gmail.com so you should have a way to to get in touch also we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you use you should be able to search for it by now if you search for near mint hockey card podcast or maybe just near mint you'll be able to find the podcast on spotify or apple wherever you listen Uh, we've got a youtube channel near mint Oh, we've got a website, nearmindhockey.com, where you could also stream the episodes there. com slash YouTube will take you to our YouTube channel where you could find all of our video episodes. And Ryan's done some cool editing to get yeah. a an intro song and, and the whole thing. So it's, it's very fancy. And then I guess the last thing we should mention... Well, maybe for next week, we should come up with the actual official dates for our game, right? Yeah. Our, our fantasy hockey cards game, where we're going to start a competition with all the listeners who are interested in playing. And the co- the cost for entry is like kind of up to you, but everyone gets a $100 budget max of your own money. And we're going to keep a spreadsheet. And anytime you buy a card that you decide you want it to be for the purposes of the game, you just send us the like a uh, link or whatever the proof of what you bought and for how much and we're going to put it in the spreadsheet and we're going to be keeping track all the way through until the end date of the game and we'll see who was and also you could sell cards and we've written up all the rules over at near mint slash game and we'll link to that in the show notes and so uh it's going to be a lot of fun i think a way for us to just like compete against each other and see who could make the most money or, or raise the value of their collection both in terms of money and cards the most in the next year and once we kind of Figure out a sign up deadline, then we could actually start figuring out like how many people are playing. Once we know how many people are playing, we'll come up with a, you know, maybe like a twenty dollar buy in, and then the prize will be beyond just all the amazing profits you made, but an actual cool prize of maybe a fancy card, maybe a Matthews Young Guns, depending on how many people are playing.
1: Yeah, yeah, or like a cool box of cards that could have a McDavid in it or something like that. Um, Right. Yeah, I guess we'll start.
0: That'll be another fun part of the game. Is we'll definitely make some sort of group chat. And we'll just talk about hockey cards all the time, bragging about our purchases and also just chatting hockey cards. Uh, and then we could discuss in there also what we want the stakes to be. So another fun reason to play. So Yeah,
1: yeah. I actually think like engaging with everyone listening and talking about hockey cards is going to be one of the big perks of this. And this game will be such a good catalyst of just everyone talking about hockey cards, seeing what other people are doing, like mm-hmm. buying and selling wise. Um,
0: and we'll like learn from each other like we'll learn from mistakes we'll be able to see like wow i really blew it i (laughs) bought a shea theodore for 12 dollars, and then now it's worth two well yeah
1: yeah or like look at this guy he bought like a hundred of this one dollar card and it worked out um yeah although i guess that's not in the rules but
0: okay so by next week ryan let's let's make a commitment here we're gonna make a google form we're gonna make a sign up form we're gonna do all that stuff and it's gonna we're gonna come up with a sign up deadline and everything so stay tuned for that but yeah, we'd love to hear from you, but until I guess next week, yeah, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back at you next week. Do we know the topic yet? We were thinking maybe of talking about events and how they yeah. affect values?
1: Yeah, so I think next week we'll talk about events. We'll be able to kind of analyze what happened in the playoffs and how values went up and down in the playoffs and specifically focus in on the Lightning players who won the Stanley Cup, and then we've got the draft coming up. We've got free agency coming up and then you know at some point we're going to have a preseason and a season where those like young guys are going to be like the highlights of the league right so i mm-hmm. think that's going to be super interesting to talk about and we'll talk about like how you can prepare for that kind of thing or um how you can learn from what happened in the playoffs um Yeah. And and also drop us any questions you have about that, about things we talked about on this episode or things that you want to learn in the hockey card world, because we're kind of just figuring out what what we think is the most interesting or things that we've learned or. Yeah, but
0: exactly. The mailbag is always open. So, yeah, any question that you send us that you want on the show, we'll if we think it's interesting, we'll definitely answer it on the show. You know, I was just thinking now because Lafreniere doesn't have a card yet, right? Like, I guess, twenty. 20- when do when those cards come out, the 2021
1: cards? Um, so it's kind of been a bit iffy because they didn't know what the draft was yet. So oh, I don't right. actually remember what the exact date is. But actually, this is an interesting tidbit to end on. To become a Young Guns, you have to have played a game in the league. So, so yeah, it's going to be yeah. a little while still. It's, uh yeah, it's going to be a bit...
0: Because um, they need to take a picture of the guy wearing his team's jersey, and that would a Rangers jersey, I guess now we yeah. know. But uh, then they have to print all these cards, and then they have to release it. So that'll be really fascinating. Like when that set comes out, like do you just go buy a Lafreniere right away? Or is it like a yeah. company having an IPO where you just get that <laughs> initial like strike price on the stock? Or do you like, or is that going to be a hype event where it's going to like have a huge surge, then go down a bit and then slowly rise as he like has a good career? That'll be interesting to follow.
1: I guess we'll have to go look back at some of the hype number ones from the last few years, but no one's been hyped as much as this guy since McDavid.
0: But like, do we also, how do you do that? I still don't know the answer of how to actually look up the values from previous years. Do we have a way that we're going to do this yet? Or are we still looking for how we're going to
1: do that? Well, I think we'll have to dig into that on another show because I don't have a great answer, but there's a couple tools that kind of like keep logs of eBay.
0: Okay. So if anyone has... A tip we'd obviously love to hear yeah. if you know a good way that we can search for what the value of a panarin young guns card has been ever since 2016 i would be fascinated to be able to just see a graph and if anyone wants to build that app like with the data i will be a five dollar a month member to right? be able to look at a player pick any player and then see their total historical trend of values that'd be amazing but okay We're rambling again. We could just talk for another hour, but we should probably go spend time with our loved ones. So nice chatting with you, Ryan. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll be back at you next week.